This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk, it is the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Matt Patrick here today, coming up a little bit, a little bit, a half hour or so from now, our uh, COVID and disease specialist, Dr. Joe Eastman, is going to be joining us coming up in the four o'clock hour, Max Nesterek, uh, on the entire thing with Ilhan Omar and how the Republicans are intentionally uh, using a fraudulent uh, translation of a speech she gave to basically uh, go after her. Uh, yeah, it is uh, me and Patrick. Patrick, uh, apparently I have been, I am heartbroken. I am heartbroken as I begin this show today. <sighs> apparently I have made some right-wing people upset. Oh. I know, or man. boo-boo kitties. Not boo-boo kitties. Not the boo-boo kitties. Uh, so apparently we do, um, well, first of all, you, we do do a live stream of this show and you can watch it at your leisure, Chicago. I mean, Hey, get the lights down a little nice, soft music. Yeah. I'm all over that action. Uh, you can watch this thing, uh, because that's why I got into radio video. Uh, and, and so occasionally we'll take, uh, excerpts from the video feed and we'll chop them up on our YouTube page with a, you know, a fine Parmesan. And we put it out there for the people to view. And one of them apparently has, from last Friday, has apparently upset the right wing. That was never my intention. That is never my intention. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so actually, no, I'm not really at all. No, no, it's, I'm not bothered at all. By this. Oh, you're upset. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> Oh, you guys, you guys, you guys on the right, you guys are just wacky, crazy, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, that's uh, that's what, yeah, that's what's going on there. At 952-946-6205, of uh, I want to, um, there, there is one thing here I want to mention, uh, I want to start off with here, because it is February, which is, it's Black History Month. And there is way too much of the time. What happens is we have a tendency of focusing on this in, you know, after football is over, after the Super Bowl, after Valentine's Day, then, you know, whatever's left, we focus on it. And we need to focus on it more because there is a real, an element here to ignore the, the black story. Now, I am not going to mistake exactly who I am. I'm a big white guy from the suburbs. Yeah. 
I, I, I do not believe in the white savior thing. I do not believe in the white knight thing. What I can say is this, and you know, you, when you see it, when you finally do see it, you can't unsee it. And that is for white America out there. This is, is, is what I'm saying is when you, when you finally do see the true unbelievable amount of of injustice that has happened to the black community in this country and continues to happen today. You can't unsee it. And unfortunately there is a portion of the white population that knows this. And hence this is their entire argument, their entire war against DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is a war to stop you from learning the truth about how badly the black population was treated. Um, one of the things in Chicago, you're, you, you, this is the first time I mentioned this. If you ever go to Charleston, South Carolina, there is a, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the house. I, I will, I will, I'll find a link for it and I'll post it online. It's, it's a house. Most of the houses in the South, especially the ones that were in the metro areas, they used to have uh, slave quarters behind them. There were these kind of long lots and there would be the main house and then there would be uh, a livery stable and then there would be a slave quarters and, and garden and stuff like that. And that was kind of a common setup that you would have in these gardens there. Most of the population of the South after the Civil War sold off the back lots, tore down the slave quarters, basically because they were trying to hide the history of what exactly had happened here. And this is one of the few houses that still has their intact slave quarters. And it is a incredibly revealing museum to tell you a lot about the black history, because one of the great lies that white America likes to talk about with the black community is how great they were treated as slaves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, not the case. As a matter of fact, in one year in South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina, what was it? A uh, uh, two thirds of the people, the, the slaves who died, died of malnutrition. They were starved to death by their owners. Many of them, while many of them had to make opulent meals for said owners. Think about how evil you have to be of a human being to do that. To starve other human beings to death while they are making food for you that you want to be fit for a king. They were feeding them sawdust. Sawdust. Yard waste. They fed them yard waste. They did not treat the slaves nicely. They were slaves. That was the point. It was a controlled workforce they could abuse into doing what they wanted to do legally. But to understand, I mean, obviously, you know, if you have a freaking half working brain cell in your damn head, obviously slavery is bad. Yes. Check mark on that box, please. And even before I woke up to this, I, you know, I understood that. And I think that, I mean, even the most conservative far right person, of course, slavery is bad. You know, they'll, they'll say this as then they'll say, but you know, some slaves are treated nicely. No, no, they weren't. Not really. They were still slaves. If they were a slave, no, they weren't. 
<laughs> Could they leave whenever they wanted to? No? Well, guess what? But I want to I want to I want to point out there is a this is um, an exchange that would ban universities from considering race, gender when awarding aid. Uh, Senator Eric Wimberger, one of the main effects of this bill is that it would put race hustlers out of business. Um, and then a senator say, to Jeff Smith asked him to explain what exactly is a race hustler. Uh, and he, you know, th- this guy ends up, you know, st- he gave up the ghost. It was basically stop the uppity black men from talking about how bad things have been. Because once again, the war against diversity, equity, and inclusion is not a, a, a you know, is, is, is to basically to stop you from learning the truth. Let me give you a horrific example. After the civil war, uh, the white community, basically turned on the black community. They were so resentful and angry and so so mad at the the slaves, the former slaves because they felt as if they were just looking for someone to blame. They was they couldn't look in the mirror. It's it's the standard flaw of humanity. They can't solve their own problems by looking in the mirror saying I got to f- fix what I, I I made mistakes on. They have to blame someone else. And so they blame the slaves. And the in an offshoot of that and the Jim Crow laws and stuff like that in the South was this mentality that the white population immediately adopted in the post-Civil War South, which was, well, fine, you're free, but don't expect us to give you any help whatsoever. You are not going to get it. And as a matter of fact, if we even need anything from you, we will guarantee you that we will not pay you what we'd pay a white person for that. A great example of this was farmers markets, which were fairly common, a, a venue for people to sell their their crops. African-Americans uh, were able to start farming their own land in the South. They were growing their own crops, and they were told they are not welcome in the white farmers markets, that they could sell their product to the black community, which was understandably not exactly flush with cash at that point. And so it was a way for them to stymie the growth of the black population and the black economic system. And then the occasional times when the white farmers could not get good crops, they basically said, okay, fine, we'll buy them at lower rates. They refused to help them. And this, by the way, is a systemic societal problem that still exists in the South. When you go down there and all the roads are bad, the reason why the roads are bad is because they're not go- the, the white population has refused to spend any money to try to help the black population. That's just the way things have gone. Starting in the post-Civil War South and throughout the country, because there was animosity towards African-Americans in a lot of places too that were in the North. The mentality was, well, if you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, then you can be successful. And that was the standard, the template that was put into place by white America for the black population that had been freed. That don't expect a handout from us. You need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And many black people went to work and they worked incredibly hard, whether that was in the factories or in the fields as, you know, employed people that were still getting paid less than the white laborer. Eventually, they got into management. Eventually, they got into leadership positions. And after decades of hard work, some of them started you know, coming out of college with degrees and started building their own businesses as they were told they needed to. And across this country in the 1900s and 1910s and 1920s emerged 
an economic miracle. The black population had pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and they had started to be successful. And then suddenly, suddenly, the white population who kept screaming, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, all of a sudden took a very different tone. How dare they be successful? How dare dare they they have their own economy how dare they have their own their own systems of success how dare they tulsa is the most common referred to example of this where the white race riots began and they basically burned down and stole everything from the black black population again just out of spite because the black population had succeeded and was coming back strong but it wasn't by any means the only one. It happened across the country. Black economic centers were wiped out, stolen, destroyed. Black people murdered, killed because they had been successful. We're still dealing with the repercussions of that today. No, we have not given the black population a fair chance. We have not given them the, the same opportunities, the redlining, the, 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 the lack of quality jobs in the communities, the, the way that we push the black community into specific areas and, and don't give them the economic support that they do need. These are consistent problems. This Black History Month, embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion because you know what? You might learn a damn thing or two because once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's the Matt McNeil Show. The Matt McNeil Show on your Thursday. Once again, Dr. Joe going to be joining us here in just a, a few minutes here to uh, go and talk, give us a little bit of an update uh, into uh, the latest on the COVID models and stuff like that. Some things were looking a little bleak there, but uh, hopefully things have turned around a little bit for them. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Quick update on Dean Phillips. He's actually my house rep, but he's, I don't know what he's doing. He's, <laughs> he's running against Joe Biden and apparently he showed up in South Carolina and you'd, you'd think he would have taken the hit, hint from New Hampshire, but uh, apparently not. Um, Democratic presidential candidate, Dean. And once again, okay, I want to just say this for the record. I don't have any problem with anyone challenging an incumbent president. It's happened multiple times. You know, and I'd make an argument to a point. It's exactly what's happening on the Republican side, because if Donald Trump isn't as close to an incumbent as you can get, I don't know what it is. But, I mean, you can have a challenger. That's okay. I said the first thing I said to Dean Phillips is you will not win the Democratic nod without the vote union vote. The unions love Joe Biden. How are you going to basically get that union vote away? Never heard anything about it. He just went around and, and for the people in Chicago, he, he started even before the 2022 election screaming about how you know Joe Biden's too old. Joe Biden is an old man, but he has basically delivered. And he has stood up and he has been the strong leader that we have needed him to be. In my mind, he's earned another four years in the job, hands down. You disagree? That's fine. You want to run against him? Oh, okay. But at some point, you would think to yourself, it would have cleared, it would become clear for Dean Phillips that, yeah, this is not going to work out. 
especially after New Hampshire. Once again, that was a write-in campaign that trounced him. A write-in campaign. Ugh. That is brutal. Democratic presidential candidate Dean Phillips' staff had to set up a few rows of chairs in a small, brightly lit hotel conference room in downtown Columbia, South Carolina, with red, white, and blue signs reading Dean and Courage covering the walls. Would, if, if you walked into that room, would you have any idea what it was for? It just said Dean and Courage. <laughs> Dean Kane? Not really. I don't know. Probably in South Carolina, more people would thought it would be Dean Kane. Soon, though, the staff realized attendance might not hit double digits, so they gathered up about half the chairs, stacked them against the wall, and rearranged the others into a circle. Feels like a seance, said Dean Phillips, a Minnesota congressman, to the group of 10 sitting awkwardly January 26th as a ring as he walked around the room. But speaker, the dead, uh, speaking to the dead might be easier than less isolating than what Phillips was in Columbia trying to do, campaign against Joe Biden ahead of the February 3rd South Carolina Democratic primary, which comes up on Saturday. Phillips, the longest of long shots, spent a rough and lonely five days in a swing through South Carolina recently, during which he made his case to voters at a few small events, saw members of his own state party fly into Basham and had to beg a room full of Democrats to stop talking for five minutes to listen to an abbreviated version of his stump speech. I'm going to be honest. I think we could have shown a little more hospitality in South Carolina, said State Representative Jermaine Johnson, a Columbia Democrat who attended a few events with Phillips, but made clear he's not endorsing the congressman. I don't feel that we gave him all the respect that we could have given him. Good news was Phillips' Columbia event did manage to hit a double-digit attendance of 12, and none of them were tortured spirits somewhere from beyond the grave. Well... Bad news was two of them couldn't vote for Phillips. One was a fourth grader who came with her dad. Another was a golden retriever named Charlie. <laughs> they counted the dog. They counted the dog, man. Phillips already admits the challenge he faces in the Palmetto State. Is this easy? Absolutely not. The cards are stacked against me by design, Phillips said. I'm not going to win South Carolina. But yet you're there. Okay. An Emerson College poll from early January showed Phillips with 5% support among South Carolina Democrats to Biden's 69%. That would actually, once again, I want to make sure we understand, if you look at what happened in New Hampshire, you look at what happened in Iowa with Trump, that's a larger margin than Trump beat any of his challengers. And yet the Republican, it's, oh, Trump has got this sewn up. And once again, I have still seen national media say, well, there's this massive divide in the Democratic Party. Okay, sure there. Sure there. Uh, Moonbeam herself, Marianne Williamson, I will always call that woman Moonbeam. I'm sorry. It just fits. The California author and spiritualist who will be a third name on the ballot January, on February 3rd garnered three full percentage points. However, Williamson has not visited South Carolina since early December. Uh, might have gone down. Many aspects of running for office are humbling, but running as a little love long shot is especially so. Why? So why do it? Naturally, Phillips says it's the conviction. We're in a country that has forgotten that principles have come before politics, he said to the small group in Columbia Hotel. You know, must if you're going to ruin your career in politics, if it's go against your party, but there are times that you must. Many of the events Phillips did in South Carolina were part of the first in the nation tour organized by the state Democratic Party, which has all but endorsed the president, meaning Phillips was frequently sharing the stage with national surrogates for Biden. I want you to know that I'm here to say I love you all. I'm here as your friend, not your enemy, Phillips told the audience at a tour stop at the Chicken and Waffles Joint northeast of Columbia on January 27th. Man, I will tell you what, South Carolina food, that 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 will steer you right every time. As a man who goes down and spends a lot of time in South Carolina, man, some chicken and some waffles, some biscuits. Oh, 
Man, you're making me hungry. Um, speaking just after Phillips was Ken Martin. Now, for people in Minnesota, you just re-recognize that for the folks in Chicago. Ken Martin is the chair of the DFL, which is the Democratic Party in the state of Minnesota. We call it the DFL, Democratic Farm Labor, but that's the name of the Democrats in Minnesota's DFL. Ken Martin's the head of the DFL, and he got on the stage right after Dean Phillips, who's a Minnesota congressman and the chair of the Democratic Party in Minnesota, don't buy this garbage that Joe Biden's headed for a sure defeat because it's garbage, Ken Martin said, rebutting one of Phillips's key arguments. The next speaker in the restaurant banquet room was U.S. Senator Chris Coons, a Delaware Democrat who is close ally of Biden. He drove the point home. Thank you for coming all the way from Minnesota, he told Martin with a chuckle, to tell us we shouldn't listen to the congressman. In the room full of Democrats, which Phillips had left moments earlier, burst out laughing. Uh, we know that this is democratic establishment is not very welcoming. him says Juarez who sat in the corner. If you are someone who has a strong point of view, you'll be ostracized. I, okay. This is not about having a strong point of view. It's not, it's not about having a strong point of view. You're more than welcome to having a strong point of view. It's the fact that no one really cares about your strong point of view. It's the guy on Twitter who tries to love insults at me. Who's got 13 followers. And one of them is a dog and one of them is a child. <laughs> No one really cares what you think. I hate to tell you that. Sometimes tough love is tough love. No one cares what you think. If they cared, more than 12 people would show up for an event. New Hampshire was a butt-kicking of magnitude I have yet to see. And yet you didn't take the hint. And all you do is you sit there and you act bitter and angry it's not, you need to look in the mirror. You took a gamble. Maybe there's enough Democrats out there that don't like Joe Biden. All right, fine. But compared to you, they'd rather have Joe Biden. And that's, you, you, you may think of that some sort of insult. You may think of that as something bad. But the truth is, is that's just the reality of it. That's just the reality of it. They'd rather have Joe Biden. And that's tough medicine, but it's the medicine that you need to hear. We'll take a break. Come back. Dr. Joe Eastman when we do return. Broadcasting in the evening on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, and in the afternoon right here on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Dr. Joe Eastman is kind enough to join us. He is our COVID modeling and, and, and disease expert, uh, which I guess is kind of a weird thing to be proud of, I guess. Uh, but needless to say, he's kind enough to join us today. He has worked with NASA, the LTER. He's worked with numerous universities. And uh, once again, it's the, the World Health Network is what you're part of. You're you're hanging around with now yeah yeah we're we just accomplished a major achievement and maybe i get some time to expound on that oh well we, we will do this when i say it's literally like you're a disease expert you know that sounds kind of like a sleazy guy in a club you know what i mean you know i just i i, gotta, I don't know how i you know you are you are the, one of the smartest human beings i've ever had the absolute privilege of chatting with and your knowledge of, of, of COVID and other diseases that have affected uh, us. I mean, if people were listening to you, a heck of a lot less people would be dead right now. And I think this is why I'm glad to continually give 
you the, the, the platform here because you are incredibly smart on this stuff. And thank you very much, as always, for the time. Okay, man. Uh, let me deflate my head here and we'll, we'll proceed. <laughs> but thank you so much. Well, let's, I'll, I'll, let's not bury the lead. What, what, what is the big accomplishment that uh, you and your colleagues have been working on here? Yeah, um, we finally, you, you remember I, I told you about the uh, HICPAC uh, committee that does the hospital uh, infection control and prevention advisory committee. And um, we uh, filed a suit uh, several months ago uh, and uh, to the inspector general there at the HHS. And um, we, you know, expressed our concerns because hospitals weren't getting a firm recommendation that was based on science. Um, the CDC just last week finally came back and uh, kind of took them to task. Okay. And uh, the, the board is getting reformulated, um, and they're clearly leaning towards uh, uh, N95 requirements in the hospital and uh, for all visitors and, and those kind of recommendations. And uh, it was a it was a grand achievement, I, I think. And uh, it, you know, within the next, I, I would say, at least six months, we will see that uh, policy implicated or implemented in the hospitals. And in the the big deal about that is when the CDC puts out their recommendations, if you don't follow them, you're opening yourself up to litigation. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a it's a big deal. And uh, um, there's been a lot of uh, developments that I, I finally, for once, I'm a little optimistic uh, that we can uh, start turning the corner, corner and uh, relying on sound science to guide us through this pandemic. I want to kind of we'll, we'll you know take a few steps backwards too for our folks in Chicago. Let's give them a little update on where things have been at. We we you have talked to us before about the fact that this is going to just kind of be the new normal. There's going to be variants of COVID that are just going to be out there that we have to deal with, along with other issues such as the flu, such as respiratory illness and such. Um, we have at winter time there just seems to be this natural increase. You had been sounding the alarm because this is you know we've had some new variants of COVID which have been proven to be shockingly effective at, at moving around. And so it, we, kind of give an update on where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, you know, over the, the holidays and such, uh, we, we just experienced our, our second uh, largest uh, wave that we've ever had outside of the, uh, the first Omicron wave, but uh, really, you know, it was uh, about twice the magnitude of this, if not more. Um, so now we are, are in the process of seeing the usual decline, but um, and it's all caused by the uh, JN.1.X uh, variants that uh, spawned off the BA286 uh, lineage. And um, so what we're seeing now is a, a, a decline, but now, unlike before, it's not as rapid as it usually uh, or we're used to seeing. And um, there's parts of the country that are now seeing some more uptick as we uh, bottomed out at the end of the month. And uh, I, I, my model is suggesting that we're going to go up to roughly 1.2 million new infections a day again. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's not like this is going to be kind of the... Uh, the new baseline for a while that uh, this variant is so 
good at immune escape and um, and a lot of other issues that uh, they're causing too that um, we're not out of the woods by any means. Well, and, uh, and if I can, if I can imply a little bit on your your medical knowledge here. When when it comes to something like that, on one side of you, you would say, "Well, isn't it more dangerous to have a quick spike because that means a lot of people are getting it? It's very infectious. It's going around, and sure, it dies off, but it's more dangerous." Or is it more concerning to have more of a, a, a plateauing might not be the right term, but this rolling hill of a graph because it's it's just it's more determined and more it's more you know, it, it, it's sticking around a lot more pervasively than it would with, with the other kind of a, a more direct spike. Which one do you kind of generally, would you prefer to have a quick spike or would you prefer to have the rolling hill? <laughs> In a short answer, neither. But okay. <laughs> it's, it's, and neither does sound pretty good. I mean, I, I, I live in Minnesota. We're a pretty flat state. I'm okay. With yeah. We got a few lakes every once in a while. Uh, but no, but, uh, but I mean, in in that kind of realm, there. I mean, is there is there a is there an alarm, or are they both? As you just kind of implied, are they both just equally as bad, just in different ways? That's right. Um, you know, the the a real sharp peak. You know, obviously puts a lot of the stress on hospitals and uh, the healthcare uh, workers who are, by the way, leaving the healthcare field yes. in droves yes. right now, um, unfortunately. And um, they're they're probably one of the best testaments for this whole BS. I call it uh, immunity. Immunity debt is what people call it. It is like, wait a second. Shouldn't they be healthy? And you look at the the status of uh, healthcare workers, and and in some areas, fifty uh, percent are are showing long COVID symptoms. And then we got the this this slow rolling hill, which is an integrative effect. Um, by the end of this uh, this thing in uh, roughly June, around the beginning of June, um, we're looking at uh, probably at least. Three million more people with long COVID, uh, and that's a, that's a very, I'm being very conservative in that estimate. So, um, you know, in all the medical complications that are um, arise due to long COVID, and uh, you know, we're starting to see signs of it, like uh, children's uh, diabetes is uh, picking up at an incredible rate, uh, which uh, type one diabetes. And uh, the, the diabetic uh, ketoacidosis, and um, they're having trouble with the uh, the blood glucose levels and all kinds of things. And um, it, it strongly correlates to what we've seen with uh, COVID uh, in terms of when the, um, it's an accumulative effect. And we're just battering our immune system. So when you have this long, long rolling hail, like you say, um, it's not good. It, uh, well, and, and okay, so and and so we have this here now. And just for people at home, Doctor Joe keeps me up to date all the time, and it's great. I do love it. Uh, between between COVID updates and me- and medical updates and Timberwolves updates for the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, it, it's 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 good stuff to stay on top of. You yourself, yeah. One of the things you do is a, a monotonous element, which is you run graphs you run scenarios and you basically see where things out you enter data into a into a model and then you 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 produce a a graph that comes off this to try to give us an idea of where things are going a few days ago you put out a graph you were very concerned about but you've kind of pulled it back a little bit 
Um, first of all, talk about, you know, because you always get variants. I mean, we see it all the time with weather forecasts. I mean, that's constant. Uh, you know, you could get a hot day and all of a sudden right. they start saying it's going to be cooler. That sort of thing. Talk a little bit about the data that you were putting in because, you know, and, and we, we've been talking a little bit about the COVID flu, respiratory illnesses, merging, causing more problems. And you've said that there are some real concerns here that this could end up being a much worse spike later on that we are not used to coming in later. But it seems like some of your newer models have toned it down a little bit. Right, right. And um, that has to do with the, what what this uh, new new variant, the JN1s, are, are doing is they, uh, their immune, natural immunity, they impart after infections, um, is not really resilient to pre-existing variants. So what I had there with that one spike that just really literally freaked me out was um, one of the uh, old variants, uh, HK3 and HV1, started climbing up at an incredible rate. And I went back and uh, did some analysis on the genomic uh, sequences and and such in uh, the wastewater data and uh, kind of dialed that back a little bit in terms of their reinfection rates mm-hmm. to uh, to give us a you know a more optimistic projection um, but it's always subject to change and we all, you know one there's some other variants that are coming along like the JN1.4 is almost caught up in California um, each region of the globe is going to be different and uh, that's one thing I got to stress and um, if I could, I got to give a shout, shout out to uh, Dr. Michael Herger, who uh, does some incredible modeling work. It's completely different type of modeling than mine. It's more a statistical and uh, mathematical training type of modeling system. For his mine is a, a fully gridded, get down into the weeds type of model. Um, but our numbers have been converging now for well over a month, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that just gives me more uh, confidence in what we're predicting when we see that happen. When you got these more than a million new infections here, um, and once again, this is variant. Some areas of the country are not getting hit as much. Other areas are. I, I talked to you last time before I talked was when I came back from that trip from South Carolina, and I was pretty much the only person wearing a mask in the airport, which was insanity. Uh, it was. Uh, so you, you do see this. What is your timeline i mean if you're with your current models if you're looking at if we're at over a million people with new infections and once again that's not people that's going to be a hospitalized infection they could have they could be asymptomatic they could be a lot of different things but it still is a one you know over a million people 1.2 million i think is what you said uh over uh you know with new infections what's your timeline when does that start coming down from the numbers that you're looking at um i would say probably uh sometime in uh april is when we're late late march early april it it will start coming down but again it's going to be a slow gradual decline um not not any kind of sharp drop off to levels that we we've seen uh, like last summer for instance when uh, the uh signals in the wastewater data suggested that we were at a really really bottomed out and uh, unfortunately we didn't uh, take advantage of that that lull, as I call it. So yeah, over over the course of April into into June, uh, we'll see a, a steady decline. And again, I put a caveat on that because who knows what 
new variant is going to pop up mm-hmm. uh, in the meantime. Well, and since you bring that up, I mean, is there any new variants? Because once again, that's the trick. It's the variants and how lethal the variants are at, you know, jumping host to host and how long-term they are. Is there any variants that are out there right now that are you're saying, okay, we need to pay more attention to this one because it's starting to pop up more? Yeah, I, I'm kind of looking at uh, JN.1.11, um, uh, I'm seeing an uh, uh, increase in uh, parts of Asia that, um, in terms of the sequences that are downloaded. Um, but they're also experiencing in Japan, for instance. Uh, HK3 is, is climbing up at an incredible rate after, after the uh, JN1 declined. So, like I say, each part of the globe is different. <laughs> I think I could find Japan on a globe. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's we are we are really operating in two different realms. <laughs> My God, thank God! And once again, this is why I say thank God you're on this because uh, I what you're doing the math problems the 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 the. the the modeling you're doing is something that, I mean, is just incredible and, and very impressive. Uh, what I want to do here is we're going to take a break. And when I come back, because you and I need to talk a little bit about um, the, some of the long-term effects here, the long COVID, uh, some scary elements with that. Plus, I'm also going to give you a chance to talk about your Minnesota Timberwolves who beat the <laughs> Dallas last night. We'll talk about that and some more NBA. Uh, Dr. Joe Eastman, our COVID modeling expert, kind enough to join us today. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show on a Thursday. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Thursday. Uh, Dr. Joe Eastman is kind enough to join us, our uh, COVID modeling and disease specialist. And we should mention to people out there, uh, Dr. Joe, that we will put out the link. You've got a blog out there that's got great news, a newsletter with a lot of great information. We're going to put a link out there. Where can people find that, though? Let's let's mention that. Yeah, it's uh, josepheastman.substack.com. And uh, I'm not as frequent as I usually used to be, you know, every couple days, but Every few days, I'll, I'll give people an update and hopefully a new forecast. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. You have talked to, and this is one of the more alarming things I've heard in a long time. We were talking about the long-term consequences of long COVID, and, and we, we just don't know. It's, it's one of those things we're having to have to go through this. And we were talking about the implications to other diseases that it seems the COVID's connecting to on the long COVID. Talk a little bit more because as you know, you kind of mentioned earlier here, there's some new research out there that other diseases are, you know, you know, basically being impacted by COVID and long COVID. That's correct. I mean, cancer rates are on the increase, especially in the younger people. Um, each time you get a new, new reinfection, you're opening yourself up to a, a host of, uh, undesirable consequences from from long COVID. And, you know, the, the thing is, we were starting to narrow in more on uh, all the symptoms and ways of describing it, um, but they are both just COVID, acute and long COVID. Um, but uh, what we really got to concentrate on, and I suggest this is like a, a major, major effort investment economically, we need probably, uh, they suggested $25 billion last week or so. I, I'm thinking more like $100 billion a year to get some 
some treatments out for these people. I I sit in chat rooms for hours with uh, people that are we call long haulers, and uh, they all bond together. But boy, when they describe some of the what they got to go through just uh, on a daily basis, uh, what task can I can I get through without wearing myself out for the rest rest of the day? Um, you know, planning things like that, uh, their relationships suffer. They can't do a, a lot of family events and, and things like that. So um, we we need to really focus in on treatments and, of course, naturally uh, just preventive measures in terms of the, the vaccines. And, and there's some things going on with vaccines that we don't have time to get into, yeah. but... Uh, are, are somewhat frightening to me. You brought up also sent me a story here that it's, I uh, want to make sure we mention the number one death of ca- cause of fatalities by police officers has been COVID. Uh, and how long is that? What, what's the timeline on that? I mean, it, it's not a surprise first responders sort of thing. Uh, but you know, this is, this is, it's still a stark reminder that we have to be, we have to be careful out there. This uh, was the, were these numbers basically starting in 2020 coming forward? Yeah. Uh, through twenty. 20- 22, I believe it was. And, uh, yeah. Um, when you think about it, uh, you know, over 300, uh, police officer deaths related to, to COVID in 2022. And that's a heck of a lot more than are, are from shootings and, and things like that. And they, I got to stress uh, the last, uh, four weeks, we've seen over 2000 COVID deaths. Um, and I think that's an underestimate by the way, uh, that have occurred and it, it doesn't seem to be letting up. And uh, the more we expose ourselves and our immune systems to this constant viral pr- pressure, the worse it's going to be to dig ourselves out of this hole. Which is the reminder that we all need is that for God's sakes, if you're in an airport, wear a mask, we're on a plane, wear a mask. You need to do this. Uh, but once again, getting vaccinated for everything is always the best option, correct? Right. Right. I mean, uh, hopefully it will keep, will help you uh, fight off any infection you might get. You know, it depends on the viral load, of course. But uh, and, and in terms of hospitalization and, and real bad outcomes. Um, the other thing that's a little bit alarming is the FDA is stopping their uh, the emergency use of uh, Paxlovid. And uh, it's we're going to see a dwindling supply of that type of treatment option during the acute phase of, of COVID. Uh, they're going to recommend it freely for, uh, I, I believe, young adults and uh, 17 and under, that type of age group. And uh, you talk about a bad decision. Uh, if anything, we should be, be increasing our supplies. But it, it just points out the need for thera- therapeutics that we need to invest in because on my, my estimates, we're looking at uh, at least $10 trillion over the next decade that this is going to cost us economically. So it's uh, in some estimates into the 20s, like our, our GDP will lose it for a year due to dealing with the uh, consequences of COVID. And we, ne- we need to make sure we understand something that this is one of those things where a lot of these deaths we can prevent 
It just is we're at a point now where trying to get people to say, hey, you know, wear a mask and get vaccinated. It's like, oh, you know, sure thing. That's so last year. You know, and you're like, okay, you don't seem to understand. This is this is not just, you know, repetitive. This is there. There's a there's an urgent need here. So, uh, Dr. Joe Eastman, once again, I'm going to put the link out for your uh, your uh, your blog there and your newsletter so people can get that there uh, quickly here because we only have about a minute or so. Uh, you're, uh, you're, you're a huge Minnesota Timberwolves fan and I'm going to let you go. And now for, for Chicago listeners, I know this is going to be weird, but yeah, apparently the Minnesota Timberwolves were really good this year. And <laughs> we watching uh, Dallas basically sent up, uh, I guess, you know, Greg Abbott and, uh, uh Paxton to play for him yesterday. And we kind of trounced them pretty badly. Um, you, you, you feeling pretty good about things right now? I, I love Nas Reed. I, I, he's my favorite. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, that was a perfect example. Of, uh, last night we, we played the Dallas hand-me-downs, I call them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, to see Edwards kind of have what you'd call an off game, and then everybody else stepped up from Nas, like you say, and bench players, and uh, their, their depth is there. And the key thing is, and knock on wood, their health is there too. And uh, you'll see some upsets because – all the teams are kind of maturing in many ways. Even the 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 bottom tier teams in in the NBA are are getting more and more competitive. So uh, to see us not completely crumble here down the stretch is a, a very good sign because. I, for decades I'm used to that happening. <laughs> well, we shouldn't give any hope to Detroit. But everyone else, sure, and San Antonio's not that good either. But everyone else, sure, you got a chance at it. But not you, Detroit. Not you at all. Uh, Dr. Joe, thank you very much. Appreciate it as always. I really appreciate the time. Chicago, have a good day. Uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul, hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Thursday. Matt Patrick here and joining us right now uh, from the best news outlet in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and in Minnesota. It's the Minnesota Reformer. Uh, Max Nesterak is kind enough to join us today. Republicans smeared Ilhan Omar over a faulty translation. Here's what she really said. It's a rebuttal piece, basically, to the news that's been breaking from uh, Patrick Cooligan and Max Nesterak. And Max, once again, taking some time to talk about their findings. Max, thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me on and for the uh, high praise of Minnesota Reformer. Oh, well, it, it is. It's hands down. It's it's, it's you Because of this, how about we just start with this? What you did there was what Journalism 101 is. There is this question on whether or something that Ilhan Omar said was accurate. There was a translation of it. It led to Tom Emmer and other Republicans screaming for her to be not only uh, you know punished in the the U.S. House, but even calls to, for her to be expelled from the country, and apparently at no point did any of these Republicans ask if the translation that they were going off of was accurate. And it seems like once again, let's start there. The the translation itself of the original translation, which was posted by Alpha News, the far right you know, uh, you know, opinion validation network here that, that, that basically alpha news, that, that, that translation was not correct. Is that a fair way to say it? That's right. So this, this broke about, um, was it just earlier this week? It was, and feels like longer. <laughs> it and does. it was a clip that was posted 
on a Twitter by a, a woman who says she's the deputy minister of foreign affairs for the Republic of Somaliland. And uh, it had this translation showing that Ilhan Omar said, we're Somalian first and Muslim second, and saying that America will do what she tells them to do, what Somali t- Somalis tell them to do, um, and protect Somali interests. And so Republicans took this as um, Omar pledging allegiance to um, Somalia and uh, the Muslim faith over being an American, and uh, among other things in this transcript. And there was one red flag in there among a couple, but one that caught my attention right off the bat was um, Somalian. It said we're Somalian first, and not everyone knows this, but Somali people don't like the term Somalian. So it just seems strange that this uh, translation, if it were in good faith, would use the term Somalian rather than Somali. So that tipped us off. The other yeah. thing was that it was shared by the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs for Somaliland, which is kind of a breakaway region of northern Somalia and is not recognized um, by the international community or the United States as an independent country. And so we thought there must be more there, but to find out, we need to solicit um, independent translations of her remarks. And so that's what we did. We found two translators. Um, one is a uh, federally certified court interpreter and got those translations. And while there were similarities, of, of course, between what was posted or what was went viral and uh, the ones that we received, there were some very key differences. Um, and it was much less strident than the one that Tom Emmer used, for example, um, in calling for Omar to uh, resign in disgrace. The the individual that posted this faulty translation, is this a real person? Have you been able to identify whether this person is really actually a human being or is this a phantom troll account of something of some nature? You know, that's a good question. I have um, we don't have evidence to think that this isn't um, a a, a high-ranking person for Somaliland, but um, we didn't get as far into verifying that this specific account belongs to to her and, and she runs it. Um, our primary focus was was what Omar said uh, or purported to say. Um, really, what what she said is that how it 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 would be understood by um, the people in the audience. And um, our findings is, you know, she didn't say I'm Somali first and Muslim second, you know, one of our interpreters said that that in itself is strange, too, because um, observant Muslims usually wouldn't um, say that they are uh, Muslims second to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to our translation, said she said, um, we are people who know that they are Somali and Muslim. We are people who support each other. So that's much different than saying you're Somalian first and Muslim second and American 
who knows where in the list. Well, and, and, and if I of that translation. if I can step in here really quick before people get oh well, look how how dangerous it is. How many people on the right in this country say Christian first, Republican second, or Christian first, Trump supporter then Republican or American? You know, it's kind of one of those things. They, they it, it it's it's a common thing within certain peop, groups that they basically that that you know putting their religion first and foremost is is fairly common. It's so this is not any sort of nefarious thing. This is just the culture and that's how, what they do. And we do it in right-wing America too, where they say, you know, Christian first. So it's, they're, they're kind of, it's one of those things where as I look at this, the whole thing seems like almost like a setup because I want to point out alpha news. And this is me saying this. I don't think it's exactly a high journalistic standard when they themselves in their quote unquote news story, put the line, we have not independently verified the accuracy of this translation. They themselves are admitting in their news story, they don't know if it's legit or maybe they do. It's, it's hard to say, but the reality is, is that was the, the catalyst for the Republicans to jump on this and go for the attack. I will give credit to as well, the star tribune who is, well, I think they brought in one of their journalists who spoke Somali and their translation met, uh, it was pretty much exact to what Ilhan Omar did submit to the star tribune as the actual translation so it was kind of clear at that point that, that there was there seemed to be at the very least some level of intentional ignorance at worst a fix was in and and so your guys you did not use the same interpreter that the star tribune did correct no okay so these would be two different ones and did you notice was with the two different uh interpreters of this was there any differences in those two uh, translations? Yeah, and for you know, just to go back to Alpha News, I mean, at least to give props, at least they were transparent to say that they didn't independently verify that. I mean, if that's our bare minimum, I I do think um, at least they gave that transparency to readers to say we're sharing something that we don't know what if it's true or not. Um, in terms of the interpretations, you know, the, it, translation is such an art, and so both translations that came back had differences um, in verbiage. One, um, you know, said um, bickering, whereas another said um, have disagreements. And so certainly there's differences there. You're never going to get 100% um, uh, um, similarities there. But uh, the meaning and the intent was, was identical versus... Mm -hmm. Um, the differences that you could see with um, the 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 one that was shared on Twitter, and so I, I haven't seen the entire in translation from the Star Tribune. I don't know if they. I don't believe they posted one. I don't think um, they did either. No. Right, but but the other key point of her not saying I'm Somali first and Muslim second that was another uh, point that the Star Tribune made as well. Mm -hmm. The yeah and 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 by the way, did you go off? I mean, yeah, I'm presuming you have Ilhan Omar's official release on what was actually said, correct? Uh, yes. Yes. The you know this is part of a long process here that we have seen in regards to this absolute unfathomed hatred towards Ilhan Omar from certain elements of the Republican Party, and. You know, it I does not surprise me. And I got to tell you the truth. It's, it's been amazing to me how many 
How many Republicans now insist they're experts in the lang- the Somali language? Uh, that, 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 they're, they're insisting right. that, that no, this original inter- this original interpretation was the only one that's there. Does it matter? I mean, in, in, and as a journalist, I mean, does it matter that you guys did your due diligence? The Star Tribune did their due diligence. We have the, the, the close enough, some minor differences, but translations that back up that, no, she never said this. Does it matter that we're putting this information out there or are the people that just want to believe Ilhan Omar is bad or are just going to believe she's bad? Well, that is a, uh, a, a big philosophical question about what is even the point of uh, doing journalism. But I, I think, yes, I because it's out there, you know, people are always, um, you know, going to have different beliefs and um, interpretations of what happened. And we're going out with, um, you know, our reporting and being as transparent as possible and allowing people to decide for themselves um, by showing our work, saying we have two interpreters. One was is a federally certified uh, court interpreter. Here's... Um, here's the translation, um, here's the context that we've gathered, um, and it's up for you to decide. I, um, but to your point, yeah, there's certainly a faction of um, uh, people who, who are going to believe the worst about um, Representative Omar. Um, I, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> and, um, but again, I, I just hope our reporting will... Um, point people to some red flags here of you have in her statement, she's saying, um, you know, she, part of her, what she was saying at this speech was um, decrying a deal between Somaliland, this breakaway region and Ethiopia to, for Ethiopia to build a port on, on contested shoreline that, and, so when you see something from the foreign affair um, minister of Somaliland doing something unfavorable for Omar, who obviously disagrees about them building this port, like doesn't that raise red flags for you that the person who's sharing this video has a, a certain political agenda? So to see um, the pylon on Representative Omar is... Uh, <laughs> Is, is just kind of, I mean, it's predictable, but it's, it's a bit, little bit disappointing given, like, to your point, it just seems like people are ready to pile on um, no matter what it is or, or who it's coming from without having some uh, critical thinking of, of where, where is this attack coming from and, and can I trust it? And that's what's so important with journalism. And, that, and that we went into the story... Um, without wanting a particular outcome. We just wanted to know what did Omar say? And we reported our findings. And, you know, I saw a lot of criticism on social media of why is, why are the media being silent on this? Why isn't this in the local press? And it's like, hold on, everybody, (laughs) give us some time. We got to weigh these allegations. We got to find a translator. And it took a couple days, but we did it. Well, because you're not just putting out right-wing talking points as in disguising it as news. You're out there trying to actually find out what the truth of the story is. And kudos to you. Once again, you succeed with flying colors. You guys do a great job over there. Uh, Tom Emmer is not just a congressman. He's in senior leadership of the Republican House. 
Um, so his, you know, threats here have a lot of meritorious, uh, uh, merit to them. Uh, you know, so far he, I know he did not contact back the star tribune when they pointed out his criticism was coming from a bad translation. Uh, have you heard anything? I know your story says Ember's office didn't respond for to request for comment. Has he gotten back in touch with you since you posted? No, we, we have a request out and we are, um, and, and that was part of, our request is, is I, I see you, you made this statement based on this one translation. Here's uh, the translation that we have. Do you still have, take issue with it? If so, what in the, in the statement do you take issue with? Um, and we would like to hear, and we would have printed that, you know, what, what does Emmer find fault with in this um, interpretation? Um, we didn't hear back from him. Um, we, we have followed up, so we're, we're ready to hear if, if there are still reasons why he thinks um, Omar should quote resign in disgrace based on this interpretation or not. We, we're receptive and would be interested to hear what he thinks. If I can say, and you know, to, to Congressman Omar, I think this is horrible. What's happening here? Uh, if there is one you know, light silver lining to this cloud. The fact is there are, it, it amazes me sometimes I'll watch like the BBC and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things going on. We don't know a dang thing about. And at least it is shining a little bit of a light on a foreign policy issue. We probably, especially considering that contested region of the shipping lanes over there, I, I think we probably should be a little more concerned about this. So if there is any level to this, I guarantee you there's probably been more searches of what this issue is in the last 24 hours in this country than probably the first than the last year. That's right. You know, it's so funny. I, w I was uh, joking with my um, colleagues that this has just made a, um, uh, Ilhan Omar has kind of polarized uh, right-wingers into becoming experts in Horn of Africa geopolitics. Um, <laughs> not, how, not sure how, how well that's playing off, but it, we saw it too with the Minnesota state flag, right? It's like all of a sudden everybody knew what every state flag of Somalia looked like because uh, apparently it was too similar to our state flag. So it's just, um, yeah, it's just interesting to see what, what gets people interested in the topic. A state flag that was approved by, let me check the list, Steve Dreskowski. Okay, never <laughs> mind. I think we, we were done talking about that. Uh, but okay. Hey, excellent work. No, and, and once again, I'm, I'm the shameless hack. You guys are great journalists there. You guys are doing a good job. And you just did what great journalism does. You don't know what the answer is going to be, but you go and find it and you post it and you basically let, you know, inform people. And I think that that's, it's a service that we need more of our, our journalists to do. And so I commend you guys on this great work as always there from the Minnesota reformer. Well, thanks so much for having us on. My pleasure. Max Nesterak, kind enough to join us today on a Thursday to talk about this. I'll share a few more points when I do come back. It is the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. Thank you to Max Nasterak for joining us. I want to take a few minutes on this if I can, because I have some serious questions on where this even came from. And as even Max Nasterak said, it's kind of one of those things that's hard to determine who exactly this person is that supposedly put out this official translation. But I as well immediately like, okay, this doesn't seem legit because it, it just didn't. Now, 
I'm going to put out a hypothetical, purely a hypothetical. Could some operative have made a official looking Twitter feed post or communicated with someone that, that, you know, we want to make sure this person who's, you know, working at your interests are there and they make an intentionally dishonest post about Ilhan Omar, whether that is just a created, created made up existence, or if it's an actual person, they make up a false lie knowing a right wing news outlet might pick it up or maybe it was organized traditionally that was the plan to pick it up. I don't know. The fact that when it was posted on the right wing news outlet, they would have the audacity to not independently verify the accuracy of the translate translation. It almost seems like that's a freaking admission that they know there can be some problems with it. Because if you are a legitimate news outlet, why the hell would you even post that then if you can't verify what it is? Like putting out a an obituary and saying, oh, this person died, by the way, we're not sure. We just, you know, we called twice and the phone rang and, you know, he didn't pick up. So we're presuming dead. You know, you don't, you, you just can't jump to those conclusions if you're a legitimate news source. If you're putting it out there to try to make Ilhan Omar look as bad as possible, well, that's not news. That's, that's opinion validation. But you, 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 if you got, if you're actually putting in the story, not independently verified the accuracy of the translation and you're still posting the story, well, you're, you're not news. That's, that's the, at worst you're incompetent at best. You're basically part of a larger plan to basically drive a narrative. And that's, that at least it seemed to me, like I said, a hypothetical needless to say the bait was on the hook. And here comes Tom Emmer comes on into, to, to, to go out for it. And I want to read you. You should, I mean, this is, it's stunning that he himself, either he knew the, okay. It's one of the two things. Either he, he read the story in the right wing news outlet. He read the news story. He sees not independently verified the accuracy of translation. So then it becomes a case where either he knew it was not the right translation and he intentionally used a lie to basically attack Ilhan Omar, or he's just a massive dumbass who doesn't know his caboose from his head and basically doesn't understand that maybe, just maybe, I should get some of the resources of the U.S. government, which are at my fingertips, and get someone to verify that this translation is correct. Oh, it's not? Okay, well, then I'll, I'll, I'll not go any further. It's one of the two there, representative dumbass. Someone has to say it. I'll be the first. I have no problem saying it. Because this is what he's saying. Ilhan Omar's appalling Somalia first comments are a slap in the face to the Minnesotans who elected her to serve in direct violation of her oath of office. She should resign in disgrace. Once again, he is making these statements off an intentional false interpretation. Someone intentionally did this. Now, is it part of a larger scheme or is it just something there was an opportunity and they went, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's all hypothetical. All I will say is it's just, it, it is interesting to watch this blow up. Now I want to also share, by the way, first of all, you do understand one of the, the house reps, one of the house reps um, put on, this is a guy from Florida, if I'm not mistaken, 
guy from Florida puts on a um, Israeli military outfit to basically say um, it was Representative Brian Mast who at one point put on an Israeli military outfit and 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 basically paraded around in that. I mean, you you know, hey, you want to support Israel? That's fine, you know. But if you're asking me whose allegiance to the United States I would question first, it'd probably be the person who's basically out there parading around as they are someone from that other country. That's just me. But of course, for Tom Emmer, that's not a problem. Let me break down what happened. So I called this out yesterday. And I, once again, congratulate the Star Tribune because they did journalism too. Well, is the translation correct? Nope, it's not. Ilhan Omar's version of the translation is far more correct than the one that was posted. All right. And I call them out and I say, it's one of the two things. Either you intentionally shared a a video you knew was a lie or you were too stupid as a sitting house rep to use the government resources at your fingertips to get the actual translation, which it doesn't help your case that much either. What transpired on Twitter after I posted that has been pretty funny because clearly this was not something I think well, I mean, I don't know anyone involved in this. How dumb are you that you didn't think that someone would actually step up and do the actual translation? I don't know. But you you clearly thought you could just drive this narrative home and I guess throw Ilhan Omar out of the house and as Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to, throw her out of the country under a lie. It's now blown up. About eight hours after I posted that, that's when the trolls started showing up. And they all had the kind of the same mentality was the original translation is the only one we should go with. No, it's not correct, though. (laughs) Well, so says you. No, not so says me. So says initially the Star Tribune's journalist who reviewed it and said, no, that's that's not the correct translation. This is the correct translation. And now you have two interpreters from the Minnesota Reformer story. <clears throat> who as well back up Ilan Omar that it wasn't as the bad translation was. Now, of course, I have gotten the undeniable, well, that they're Somali anyway. Like, you know, racists do because, you know, they're all in on it. You know, every one of them together. Yeah. No, that's not. No. You're a racist and you need help. How about I say that? If if your argument to dissuade is to say, oh, those, in, those interpretations don't count because Somali people did those and the Somali people are all, all in on it. Now, you're an idiot. You are an idiot and you're a racist and you need some help. Go, go find Jesus. You do or don't, don't do whatever you don't want to do. Someone needs to tell these people that. But it's this insistence that any actual translation has to be ignored and we have to condemn it. It's the ugliness, the racism, the Islamophobia, the pure hatred of Ilhan Omar that's out there manifesting itself as it is. And when I see this entire display, the parade from the beginning to the end 
a questionable source, the right-wing news outlet, which even they admit, well, I don't know, the right-wing politician who then picks that up and runs with it and demands she re- 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 resign. To them, people actually asking, well, what did she actually say? And all of a sudden, the truth coming on out that the entire thing is based on a lie, followed by the trolls who basically are trying hard to vilify, berate, shut down any counterpoint that they disagree with. Ta-da! The parade of morons is here. Led by Tom Emmer, King Moron himself. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Tell Tom I said hi. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. You don't like her. All right. Um, Tom, I don't think she's going to date you, man. I just, I mean, I know you're trying to get her attention and all, but, you know, I I don't think she, I just don't think she's that into you. All right. I just, I just, someone has to say it, man. You know, you're, you need to, you're you're not going to get the rose this time around, buddy. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Enough, enough with these dark and disturbing. Ugh. Let's get into a different story here, shall we? The longtime owner of a tattoo parlor in the Twin Cities is admitted to his role in buying and selling of stolen human remains. <laughs> Let's give him a hand. No, sorry. Sorry, part of me just kicks in with the childish thing. So I'll give you a great example of this. I got a new Surrender Humans, which is like space Oreos. They're Oreos. Um, you know, uh, it's Oreos with like pink and blue inside of them. And they are just atrocious flavoring. And it's like this. And I'm going to do the Surrender Humans with this. And of course, the first thing I said is, I mean, I got to be careful here because this is, it just is, it tastes like Uranus. Yeah, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here all week. They actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, <laughs> uh, God, if someone went on a killing spree of all the characters from breakfast cereal, that's kind of the smell. Yeah. It, it's not exactly the flavor sensation you think it's going to be, but space anyway, back to the dude who's stealing human remains. Oh my God. Matt Lampy. 52 of East Bethel agreed Tuesday in the U.S. District Court in Pennsylvania to plead guilty to interstate transport of stolen goods in connection with his participation in a nationwide network of prosecutors say bought and stole body parts from Harvard Medical School and an Arkansas mortuary. Okay, I'm presuming it was an open casket in Arkansas. Didn't he have two arms? Uh... Sorry, this is a horrible story, but sometimes the way I respond to a horrible story is to, you know, let's, let's let them fly. Lampy, who runs Get to the Point Tattoo Parlor in White Bear Lake, remains out of custody ahead of sentencing, which is yet to be scheduled. His attorney, Joseph DeAndrea, 
said Thursday that his client has been living a model life while he's been out. Oh, so not shipping any body parts, you say. Okay, well, lesson learned. That's not exactly the highest bar to climb, okay? That's... Hey, since he's been out, let me tell you something. He hasn't been shipping any human remains anywhere, all right? So, you know, he's good. He's straight arrow now. Messages were left Thursday with Lampy seeking comment from him about his agreement to plead guilty. From 2018 through 2022, Cedric Lodge, a morgue man, Morgue manager for the Harvard Medical School's anatomical gifts program stole organs and other body parts of cadavers donated for medical research and education, according to the indictment. What, did you have leftovers? What? Okay. Did anyone not notice the guy? Wait, didn't this guy come in here with a heart? You know, okay, well, now I know why he died. You know, no, it's not. It's not like there were scraps. God. I'm sorry. Uh, after dealing with Twitter trolls, it's this is where I'm at right now. How do you, how do you? There's extras. Well, this guy's got three gallbladders. I mean, what, how does that work? So he had the extras, and uh, according to the indictment, Don Lodge and his wife uh, Den Denise Lodge sold the remains. Prosecutors say sometimes allowing buyers into the morgue to examine the cadavers. Cause you know, you know, if it's like a cantaloupe, if you, you gotta, never mind. <laughs> oh God. Among the buyers was a Pennsylvania, Jeremy Pauly ladies. My guess is he's single, a self-described preservationist of retired medical specimens and curator of historic remains. And he is a wicked pickleball player, too. Oh, God, he loves the pickleball. Pauly sold many of the remains he purchased, the indictment says. Lampy is identified as a buyer who doesn't want a little few knickknacks around the house, huh? Also selling items to Pauly, who pleaded guilty in September. The charges against Lampy did not explain his interest in the body parts. I don't know if we want to know what his interest in the body parts is. Oh, God. Dear Lord. Some crimes defy understanding. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one, said Gerard Karam. <laughs> he basically did a, the U.S. attorney for Middle District of Pennsylvania. In a statement, did you think he woke up that day? He's like, oh, boy, uh, you know, hey, Jared. We've got a case for you. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, the issue child was filed in June. The theft and traffic of human remains strikes at the very essence of what makes us human. Oh. Or not human. I mean, I've, you know, what, what do I, how do I fill out this package to grandma at the holidays? You know what I would do it? How about a finger? Yeah, there you go. Pass me the shears, kids. Um, no, I, 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 I have zero doubt there is this market out there for assorted pieces. I have zero doubt. There's always that one guy. Hey, what's that up on the counter there? Oh my God. Yeah. Isn't it cool? No, no, it's not cool. No. 
This is why you're a virgin. Stop it. <sighs> Let's get to the crime, shall we? Prosecutors say the scheme went like this. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences in Little Rock, go fighting creepos, allowed people to gift their body after death for medical education, teaching and research. That's nice. I'm sure they're not too happy about things right now. Candace Chapman Scott, a mortician in the mortuary, stole parts of the cadavers she was supposed to have cremated. <sighs> she sold and shipped some of these remains to Polly, including bones, skulls, skin. Yeah. Uh, dissected faces and heads and internal organs. You know, conversation starters. I'm sorry. Hey, Jim, uh, it's like a half-dissected head you got there on the counter. Yes, it is. Let me tell you about it. It's right next to my Lego Death Star, huh? Which one's more impressive? Um, I, uh, how long did it take on the Death Star? I'll, I'll stay out of that discussion. Yikes. Polly then resold some of the cadaver parts, you know, extras, around the country, including Lampy. According to the indictment, the scheme lasted for at least 2018 to 2022. In December of 2021, Scott and Polly negotiated a sale of two brains, one with a skull cap because, you know, you know, good eating. Uh, two hearts, one cut, two fake, bo uh, two fake boobies. All right. One large belly button piece of skin. Abstract art, I guess. One arm, one huge piece of skin and one lung. If it did, if it, if only it did not say two brains, I'd say they molded that in together and made Trump. Damn. <clears throat> I knew I would get to that one eventually. Um, well, not, and he also doesn't have three hearts. Let's be honest about it, but it definitely has the two fake boobies. All right. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Mm, springs in the air, kids. Polly paid $1,600 via PayPal and told Lampy he had hearts and brains a-coming. Lampy agreed to buy three items for $4,000, according to the charges. Okay, that's all right. Update on parts, Lampy wrote on a Facebook Messenger five days later. They agreed in this December 2021 deal. Polly wrote, going to pack up your brain and heart tonight. Well, that is a standard Republican. Arm isn't here yet, but I'll send it out as soon as it arrives. Do you wrap that like it's like a hockey stick? You know, so there's like an arm and you can like the individual fingers and stuff and you put like an address on it and you just ship it. Or is that in a box? I, I don't know. I mean, is, is it a different shipping rate? Like I said, let's give you, let, let me give you a hand there. A uh, couple of months later, the two agreed to do a trade. Polly would send Lampy a stolen, um, yeah, and I'm not going to go there, in exchange for five human skulls. In total, the two exchanged more than $100,000 in online payments as they bought and sold from each other. Lampy and Polly, which I'm, by the way, I am definitely seeing a new TNT series here are the only defendants who have agreed to plead guilty. Otherwise, resolutions of the cases against the other defendants remain pending. All right. 
How do you get to this point? I don't know. I, I, um, I, you know, I, oh God, what are you doing with them? I mean, you're just putting like the skulls in a, in a ball pit and, uh, uh, um, I'm, can I go back to the one thing at the very beginning of this though? Um, he pled guilty to interstate transport of stolen goods. How about we like, um, you're telling me we don't have laws on the book saying, Hey, the dude with the body parts, there's not that. I mean, why don't we have that? Cause stolen part stolen goods doesn't, I, I think, give this case the provenance it deserves. You're shipping human remains back and forth in the mail, which leads to the thought process of what happens when they deliver it to the wrong address. My honeydew melons are here. Oh my God. Amazon. Yes. I, I I'd like to report that. I think you screwed up my package here. Uh, that is not a Waisaki puzzle. It is. It looks like a lung you've sent me. Um, I didn't want a lung. We don't take produce back. Okay. Well, all right. I don't need it. Gosh, how, how would you feel? How will you feel if you were any of the delivery people in any of these locations? You're, you're, you do deliveries up in White Bear Lake or in East Bethel where this guy was working or living. You do deliveries up there and you realize to yourself, you know what? Remember that package that didn't smell right the other day? I wonder if. Uh, so, well, you got lobsters in there? Oh, God. Anyway, uh, it's, it, it seems like every year we get at least one quality story in this town about body parts. And I don't know why. I, I, I would rather not. I can go a year without it. 2024, mission accomplished, I guess. But, you know, um, I think, can, we, can I make a request? Stop with the body part stories. They're hard. On a lot of levels, the 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. You get your fill? You mean the P-H-I-L? There you go. There you go. We'll take a break. Come on back while I get talked to by HR. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. There's space in my heart. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, Patrick, uh, do you know if the pond hockey tournament, I thought they had canceled it. Did they postpone it? Do you know? I could not accurately say for sure. There's an article from Axios Twin Cities that they put out there, and it, they were talking about that. But when I went to look at their website, they said that it, it was basically it was done on the 26th of January. So I, I don't think it's going on. I don't think it got postponed. I don't think the, the ice is going to be good enough. 
Uh, a quick little update here on the activities around the cities. And this is another reason why I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I think Axios Twin Cities might be off a little bit. They said the combination of heavy snowfall and warmer than average temperatures this month put a damper on popular events scheduled to be held on frozen lakes. Heavy snowfall, the total snowfall for the entire year in the Twin Cities is seven inches. We are way behind where we need to be. Although we've had enough rain to actually help us out in some levels there. Uh, the Art Shanties Project, they've moved all them off of Lake Harriet. I was on Lake Harriet last weekend, and it was relatively thick ice last weekend, but it is much less thick. It's only six inches thick, four inches less than they need to operate safely um, with uh, the crowds and the structure. So the Art Shanties are now on the shoreline of Lake Harriet. The Luminary Lopin on Lake of the Isles was pushed from February 4th to February 18th. There's no end. I mean, is there... The, the race is off. They can't have a race. They don't have snow unless they get those rollerblade skis. Um, so there's that. We'll have to see if that actually comes to fruition. Minneapolis lake rinks are closed for visitor safety. There's no ice on them. There's, I went about to the, the I walk uh, with my dog in the morning and, and they basically, the, there's the rink that's by our house. Gone. There's nothing there. That's not, that's not cl close for visitor safety. You're not going to go very far skating on that. Um, abundance uh, of slush makes it impossible to groom the trails in the lakes of Lopit, said the event's website. Um, there's no surefire way to know when the ice is safe, so it makes it difficult to determine if events should go on as planned. Um, Saturday, Lake Harriet's ice was 10 inches thick, but the ice all thins close to shore. Nokomis was at 12 to 14 inches. And Minneapolis Park spokesperson had told Axios. So just keep in mind, I mean, at least through this weekend, I mean, I think it's all 40s now till like the 8th or 9th of February. So, you know, I'm no science whiz, but if it's 45 degrees, it ain't going to be icy out. I'm just, that's the case. Uh, I, I want to actually make a, 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 you know, kind of a, sa a point here. I did want to mention this. The Cole Center for Dance of the Performing Arts announced on Wednesday it would end its dance programming at the uh, Goodale Theater in um, March 31st. The Downtown Minneapolis Center's ed educational community programs will, however, continue through the end of the 2023-2024 school year, uh, which is in May. The Cowell Center became clear probably several months ago that Artspace, our largest donor and administrative partner, was having their own financial troubles, which wouldn't allow them to sustain their level of giving to Cowell's said Joseph Bingham, co-director of the Cowell Center. We have been working in the background to kind of figure out what that meant financially and figure out either a plan B and whether that meant potential fundraising or another partner in the picture. According to Bingham, two-week staff found out that Artspace's financial picture couldn't sustain the Performing Arts Center. The main business and nonprofit housing development has changed so much. So it's not that they're pulling the plug needlessly. It's that their business model has changed. Um, I... It was interesting because I worked a long time ago at Metro Traffic when I was there, and we were downtown. We were down uh, in the Plymouth building on 6th and Hennepin. And the, they, they were moving that building at the time. Save it. And I, I it was always one of those places where it was kind of a, a, a badge of honor, if I can say. I thought it was a really nice thing that we had, an actual dance center, because that is not something you get unless you are in the biggest cities. 
And I think Minneapolis was it, it's 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 got a good art scene, but is it a big enough art scene to to do that? And you know they were there for a while. I I I wonder if it it is just not big enough. I mean that that's one of those things you find in New York, you find in Miami, you find in San Francisco or Los Angeles, maybe Chicago, London, France, stuff like that. You find in these big cities where there's a much larger population. And so it, it doesn't become nearly the fringe item it would be. I mean, because I think that for most people, I mean, there is clearly a very ardent dance culture in the Twin Cities. And bless you, uh, you know, it, it's I hope it, it continues for you. But I will say that I, I think that for the, the average viewer, if they went once a year would be a lot. It just was not something that was was there. But. I would hope that it can find some funding. If there are some people out there that can come to the rescue, I'd be grateful. But the question I do ask is, is you know, is Minneapolis-St. Paul big enough for a dedicated dance theater? And I don't know if it is. So we'll hope. I, I would li- I would like to stay stick around, though, for sure. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.